I'm Enoch Fossum. And I'm Austin Ivey, and you're listening to the What About Therapy podcast. All right, welcome to episode 61. Crazy. They go 6-1. 6-1. You know what that means. <laughs> it's one after 60. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be having the talk. So let's sit down, let's get comfortable. And let's get really awkward. And let's get really awkward. <laughs> because this doesn't need to be awkward. That's the thing. Yes, we're going to be talking about sex and how this conversation has formed in our society with our kids. And so, particularly, we're going to be talking about the talk, or talking about sex around our kids, and how, I guess, the difference between a helpful way of doing it and an unhelpful way of doing it. Yeah, and, and broadly speaking, it's interesting that we are so cringy and squeamish about the topic, and rightfully so. It's not something you just want to be blasting out there and talking about, and it's something you want to be careful with, because it's it's special, and it's, it's um, you have to be careful, of course, but... It's funny that it's something that almost everyone does, everyone thinks about, and everyone has a desire to do, and yet we're all so awkward and weird about it. Right. It's the one thing that binds us as a species and other species. Every living thing on the earth has some type of procreation involved with it, yeah. and yet it's the most awkward, if not, it's one of the most awkward, if not the most awkward conversations for people to have. Yeah. So interesting. It is really interesting, and I want to I wanna know how, we're, how we got to this point and in a future episode actually in a couple of weeks we're going to be talking about that so get ready for that oh yeah but this our our main references we're going to be referencing today i guess the reference is going to be called it's a book by sharon maxwell phd it's called what your kids need to hear from you about sex the talk a breakthrough guide to raising healthy kids in an oversexualized online in your face world i highly recommend this book i'm just reading it on kindle it's for one of my classes, and it's awesome. It's like eight bucks or something on Amazon. Didn't know. I didn't know that. Go cool. ahead and buy it. It's awesome. So, first, I'm going to read this quote, and we're going to talk about it. And these are all from the book. So, this quote, and it might may seem a little out of context, but just bear with us here. It says, it's particularly unpleasant to see a child forced to hug an adult and then rewarded with a gift. What exactly are we teaching them with that behavior? So this goes back to the very beginning when raising your children. Are you teaching them that they have their own bodily, bodily autonomy? Bodily autonomy, yeah. bodily autonomy, that they have a choice what to do with their body? Or are you teaching them that they don't have a choice? And even if they don't have a choice, if they do it, they'll get rewarded. So just think about that. Like, what is that teaching your kids when you force them to do things with their body that they don't want to? Even things as simple as a hug or, I don't know, a grandma kiss on the cheek. Mm -hmm. Like, things like that. Like, what what is that teaching your child when you force them to do those kinds of things? Yeah. I I grew up in a family that wasn't super touchy-feely. Um at all. And so up to this day, I'm still really awkward with, with, um, physical contact. Yeah. It's something I've had to kind of get over because I want to get over it, but no one should be forced to be physical because that's for, for someone who is very unphysical and doesn't like hugs and stuff like that. It's extremely uncomfortable. And to teach that, like if you have a kid who's just uncomfortable with it and to teach them, they have to hug someone, they have to get a kiss from someone. That's, that's a gaslighting at its finest. That's, yeah. that's, lack of consent we want to teach children that really important thing so 
that's a really good way to start this episode off. The consent and bodily autonomy is, should be at the core of conversation when it comes to sexuality. Right. Yeah. And these conversations aren't happening when your kids are teenagers. This is happening when they're really young, like two, three, four. And so just keep that in mind. You don't have to wait until they're teenagers. Like This should be happening ASAP Ferg, ASAP Rocky. ASAP <laughs> Mob. You know, it, it should be happening as early as possible. As soon to, as they start asking about it, showing interest in any type of intimacy, hugs, yeah. kisses, anything that is considered intimacy or connection between humans in a physical way, use that opportunity to, to model and to discuss appropriate behaviors in that way. So yeah. going on to the next quote here, I really like this one because um, this is, I have a lot to say about this, I guess, and I won't rant too much, but it says, well, if I couldn't prevent, I could proactively educate. I was determined that when it was, when it came to finding out how babies were made, I was going to get there first. It was time for the talk. <laughs> I, I, I like the, if I couldn't prevent and I could actually pro- proactively educate because we live in a world that just, unfortunately, there's a lot of media there's a lot of just stuff out there yeah and for some reason sexual activities just sells and entertainment um and i mean for some reason we all know why but um <laughs> it's hard to prevent our yeah. kids from just being exposed to it and so right. unfortunately per- total prevention of being exposure to like pornographic images into sexual material it's somewhat impossible unfortunately and so yeah. using your connection with the child and being in their lives to proactively educate them so they can be ahead of the game of these, yeah. these things are going to be happening to them. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to sex, you cannot prevent it. This is something that's innate in all of us. That's like preventing puberty. You just can't do it. It's something that's going to happen. Of course you can take, it should happen. I mean, that's like pills and stuff to stop it. Um, but that's, that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. But that's something that should happen. That's natural. That's the natural way of life. And you cannot prevent, one, those feelings, and two, you cannot prevent what your child's going to see in the media today. Mm. You just can't. It's just too much and out there. And if you take that upon yourself as a parent, you're going to be very stressed, and you're going to think of yourself as a failure because you weren't able to prevent the way you wanted to. It's just not possible these days. Like, maybe, maybe... Back in the Renaissance period. <laughs> but even then, there was a lot of... <laughs> heck, I mean... A lot of sex. <laughs> there's a lot, lot of sex back then, too. And if not, if anything, it was more natural and normal to talk about then than it is now. Because it's it's literally the basic human function. Yeah. It's the it, basic f- function in any living thing. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny because it probably was more... I guess common to talk about back then. More and business. There's way more of it now, and it's more awkward to talk mm-hmm. about. You know? Yeah. So... And, we cannot prevent it at this point. We can only proactively educate. And that's something that's always in your power because preventing is not in your power. Proactively educating is. That's, I like how the quote says, um, makes the point that the author said they wanted to get there first with this, I don't know, this conversation. They didn't want it to happen at school. They didn't want to get this information from anywhere else. Right. They were going to take the, the burden upon them to get there first so they can guide the journey of learning in this complex yet important field of conversation right and to give you a little bit of background in this book so this is sharon's the author's sharing a story story that she had with her kid and her son found out about sex in elementary school so if you think it only happens in middle school you're wrong 
it can happen as early as elementary school, as early as, I mean, I don't know. Depends with a lot of kids. Jeez, I remember kids can, talking about <laughs> sex in elementary school. I don't think they knew what they were talking about. Right. I definitely didn't, but I heard the word all the time. Right. I like, mean, that's all you, that's all the, that's all you need to speak yeah. interest. You know, what's and, that word mean? Why are they giggling at it? Right. You know? like, and that's when we had the one, uh, what's it called? That we had a whole day dedicated maturation to clinic? it. Maturation. Yeah. 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 Where we talked about sex and stuff and your parents had to come and sit with you and watch it. Funny it was, story about that. I actually didn't go because the really? day that it happened, I got pink eye. Oh, um, okay. Well, the day before. <laughs> and so I couldn't go to school for 24 hours because I was contagious. And oh, so I, nice. I, didn't, I didn't go to maturation class. Nice. I'm still not mature, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> funny story there. But anyway, so that's why um, the author was saying she wanted to get there first. And I mean, hate to break it to you, she didn't because the, his, this, her son's friend at elementary school talked about talked mm-hmm. about him talked about it to him him first (laughs) so the whole point of that story the moral of the story is your kids are never too young to talk about it really as soon as they express interest is it is it appropriate time to talk about and that's something we've talked a lot and i've taken many parenting classes up to this point um like probably 15 credits worth of parenting and like family classes um advanced and basic levels and a lot of what they say and on these classes that have these conversations is to talk about it whenever it's brought up yeah. To the to the level of appropriateness of the age of the child, like they're five years old, obviously that conversation is going to be a little bit different if they're fifteen, and it should be. Right. Um, but to and have an age appropriate conversation whenever the opportunity arises, which typically ensues after a question or some type of interest shown by the child. Yeah. So don't just because they're four years old and they ask you about something doesn't mean you should stray away from it. All you need to do is just adjust the way that you have that conversation that it's appropriate for a four year old, right, or, or five year old, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love that. So the next quote here, the author says, somehow we never imagine that our kids are seeing it as in like sex. Um, we never imagine that our kids are seeing it or ingesting the value our culture places on being sexy or looking good, right? We never stop and ask how our children are understanding it all. And that's so true. Like somehow we think that just because our kids know what it is, it doesn't mean that they're not processing it or not feeling it at all yeah. right or not feeling it because oh they, they don't see it they don't see that magazine as i'm in the line to uh for groceries <laughs> no they don't see this commercial about i don't know makeup or walking past the victoria's secret walking, yeah store in the mall and like a little boy just like what the <laughs> heck is that <laughs> yeah they don't they don't see that so it's fine and it's interesting because we we don't think about asking our kids like what how they're digesting all of this yeah. like we never teach them how to do so yeah we never ask and say hey i noticed you were looking at that magazine or something like how'd that make you feel like what's going on what are your thoughts on that i mean rightfully so because it's an awkward conversation it's, but it kind of needs weird. to happen yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's seen as that's really different for our culture but that's something that's that's necessary is, is asking your kids how they're doing and what they think about everything. If you think about it, we most parents will teach their kids emotions. Yeah. You know, like um, kind of teach them what, what it's like to be angry and how to handle your anger. At least you should, right? Um, anger, happiness, joy, yeah. sadness. You, you kind of have yeah. a conversation about what you're feeling and how to handle it and when it's appropriate to express feelings and things like that. But I don't think desire is a very common conversation to have. And so right. desire is just as normal, natural, and healthy as happiness, sadness disgust it's a 
It's an emotion and a drive that is built into the most basic parts of our brain. Monkey brain. It's in monkey <laughs> lizard brain. It's there and it's not going away yep. ever um, because it's needed for our species survival. So it's one of the most important encodings that we have within our brain. And yeah. so if it's the most important, it's also probably going to be the most common. Right. At least for like growing up as a teenage boy, it was pretty common thought. Right. And I never had a conversation with my parents about desire. And I mean, not anything on them. Awesome, right. amazing parents. Yeah. Um, but I think people just don't know that they need to do that to yeah. explain what desire is, what it means and how to appropriately respond to those feelings of desire. And that's what this whole conversation that we're having today and what this book is about is having that feeling, talking about that feeling of desire. You know, that's one thing that Inside Out could have done. Hmm. Like Inside Out 2. I know that there is an Inside Out 2. It's coming out soon, I think. I haven't seen it. Maybe they will do that. Is it not out yet? No, I think they're still working on okay. it. Okay. I haven't seen it Because may- what if they actually add a desire? I think that'd be a good thing. That'd be cool. Yeah. It'd, it'd be like a, a pink Riley, heart character or something, you know? Yeah, like a, like, like a little um, uh, Cupid. Like a little Cupid. Yeah, like, yeah. Type of, like, a, like all pink and everything. <laughs> yeah. That'd actually be a really good way to like symbolize love and desire. Yeah. Because Riley's... I think she's like 11 in the first movie. Something and so like she'd that. be getting into the age, like 12, 13, where, I mean, puberty sets in. So, and right. that's the whole point of that first movie is that she's going into puberty and starting to get a lot of emotions and things like that. So Right. So add um, desire in and out. Pixar. Is that if, Pixar? If you're listening, Pixar, please add in <laughs> desire to help kids understand what that feeling is like. Yeah. It's important these days. <laughs> Anyways, um, next quote here. I love this one. How in the world are kids supposed to learn how to become responsible sex... Sexual, sexual people. <laughs> how are we supposed to? Um, how are kids supposed to learn how to become responsible sexual people if we don't help them understand that being sexy is a powerful is so well is powerful because it activates desire and that this desire is hardwired into all living creatures as a way of continuing the species through procreation. Kind of what we just talked about there. The, yeah. How we? How can we ever expect them to make them make the proper choices regarding sex? if we don't talk about the whole other aspect of it, the desire, the yeah. not just the functionality and the pregnancy and the STDs and all that stuff, but the, the more complex nuance of what right. it is, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of hard to understand. And it's person by person Yeah, because being sexy, being desirable is something that your kid will see in other people. And as they get older, as they get older, they might notice that other people see that in them. And so it's your job as a parent to help them recognize that feeling, that what it is, that it's healthy, normal, and then teach them how to appropriately respond to that feeling because it's natural and it will come to them at some point in their life and they need to know how to respond to it. Yeah, and I love how the author also talks about how teaching your kids that with being sexy or desirable activates other people's desire and how powerful that actually is. And how much emphasis our culture puts on that to have control and to be able to have it all is what you see these days when you're good looking or sexy or have a good body, things like that. You can have whatever you want when you, when you are good looking because it's powerful and you activate other people's desire and they give you whatever the heck you want at that point. Mm. So teaching them that that brings power and you see these days especially around Halloween, little kids are dressing up as, I don't know what they are, like, I want to say skanks, but... I mean, have you ever seen the movie Mean Girls? 
I don't think so. I watched it for the first time this week with my wife, and it was honestly hilarious. I loved it. But one of the quotes in the movie, it's it's set in high school. It's like yeah. about high school girls and how mean they are to each other. Yeah. Um, and Lindsay Lohan, the main character, one of her quotes is like, "Halloween is the one day out of the year where." teenage girls can dress up like sluts and, and, and get away with it or something like that. No, and, and, and no one bats an eye. Yeah. And, um, let me say what you will about that culture. And I don't like the word slut necessarily, but if you look at any, even dress like high, sexy, you it, dress sexy. Yeah. Dress sexy, sexy, <laughs> the sexy nurse, the, the sexy, anything like you go to a Halloween star and it's like sexy, this sexy, that. And it's like the entire yep. woman's section. Yep. Sexy cheerleader. Yeah. All that stuff. Sexy, none or something like that i don't know it's like weird stuff like i'm seeing that at a halloween store and i was like that's pretty sacrilegious okay where's our, that's, where's that's our men's sexy stuff all oh, right like that's i just want to dress up as hopper from stranger things <laughs> <laughs> anyways um you would argue i would argue that's sexy that's, though <laughs> that's peak male sexuality peak sexy right there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah, you have a good point that um they understand it and they have the desire to be sexy but they they don't necessarily maybe they don't understand necessarily what that power brings and how yeah. it can easily be misused yeah to bring like to oppress another person and to to observe power over them yeah and that's the problem and this is what the author also talks about i don't have any any direct quotes on that but they talk about how that's a big problem when they under or when they start to like act sexy or try and be sexy before they even have the desire before it's even there so then once they get that desire it's like explosion like in in an inside out when the when anger pushes up the controls (laughs) and blows up (laughs) like it's that explosion and so that's a problem when they're acting in such a way that doesn't really correlate with the way they feel yet like that's an issue yeah that's it those that doesn't match Right. It doesn't match. Go fish. (laughs) So this next quote, it's time to get over it. The whole topic of sex from Victoria's secret ads and how babies are made to sexual abuse and MTV. None of it makes any sense if you don't understand the role of desire. And I'll just go here directly into the next quote. In kids' minds, the sex of sexual desire is in a universe altogether separate from sexual reproduction. So we just need to get over this stigma of, oh, my, my kid will learn about sex like when they're older. I'll talk to them later. We need to get over that. We need to get over not talking about Victoria's Secret or feeling awkward around Victoria's Secret. I actually went in Victoria's Secret for the first time in my life when oh, I really? got married. And, I still uh, haven't been inside. I did feel a little awkward, but I'm like, why am I feeling awkward? Like I'm shopping with my wife for mm-hmm. things that she needs that she wants mm-hmm. you know and this is awesome this is great and there were other guys in there too it's fun to watch them like if you go into a victoria's secret and just watch other guys usually with like their girlfriends or uh wives it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny to watch them <laughs> the, only, the only experience i've ever had with the victoria's secret off off topic story is um my mom was shopping in the store behind it one time i, don't, I can't remember what it is the Orem uh-huh. mall it's like a shoe store or something or like forever 21 or something and me and my dad this is when I was in high school. Me and my dad were sitting on the couch in front of Victoria's Secret, not knowing that we were in front of Victoria's Secret. Yeah. But like we look, it looked like we were just like looking into the store. And I didn't really necessarily <laughs> realize what I was doing, and we just looked like creeps. But anyways, that's it's it's funny to watch people react around <laughs> that type of atmosphere where it's just like sex right in your face, like right. desire right in your face, and it's 
it's funny to see how some people who just maybe a little bit less adjusted to sexuality react in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to talk about desire. Like, why do we desire girls that go shop at Victoria's Secret? Why? Yeah. Why is that a thing? And that's something that we need to teach our kids. Why is that desirable for girls to go shop at Victoria's Secret? Because all the signs, all the the posters are all these sexy women in lingerie and in underwear and that's desirable for women and men and then i love the quote about sexual desire in the universe of or sex in the universe of sexual desire that's completely different to a kid's mind and a teenager's mind when compared to the sex of sexual reproduction and a big part of it is context. Like if you're in high school, when you first have the talk, I was eight years old when my brothers and I got the talk. And the talk is all about sex, all about having kids. And that is so irrelevant to my life at that time. Like I'm going to be having kids, you know, at that time, what, like tw- it's been 15 years, 16 years since that? 14, 15, something like that. 15 years later, like, why should I care about this? Okay, cool. I know how it works. That's it. You know, and then we never talk about it again. And that's kind of it. That's the end. And so we need to provide context for our kids and talk about the desire because it doesn't mean a darn thing to them if they don't understand desire and knowing that they're going to have that desire way before, hopefully, way before they have kids. Yeah. The next quote plays in perfectly with what you're saying there. It says that what kids want us to help them understand is how to handle the feelings that come with sexual desire and how to responsibly use that power that comes from looking or acting sexy. Because more than likely, moments after they start puberty, they're going to start to notice um, they're attracted to other people. And for some reason or another, the way this person looks, I like that. Yeah. Can't tell you why, but I do. Yeah. And that's going to be something that happens and it's normal and it, I don't want to say it should be encouraged, but it should be normalized. Yeah, it should, it should be, be a in a way, it, it should be encouraged in a way yeah. that, that they engage in healthy relationships based off of the desires they have for other people. Because yeah. you want your children or you should want your children to understand that healthy relationships, the very first step is a strong desire being attra- and being attracted to the person. That is the first step in a relationship is you are initially attracted to them. Yeah. And if they have mixed feelings about what that means or what it is, you, you might be setting that up for relationship problems that they either have too much um, importance on desire of like sexiness and attractiveness or not enough. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that you, you teach them and hopefully have a conversation about the nuance and confusion that surrounds that topic. Yeah. And that, that's a hard thing to do. And we're talking a lot about just going and doing it. But it's something that I think parents need to be aware of and feel more comfortable doing. Yeah, and especially like here in Utah, we don't want our kids feeling bad for having a desire or for thinking about sex, right? Especially as teenagers. And in Utah, there's the big stigma around sex. It's a big mm-hmm. deal. And when if, if a kid feels bad for having the desire to have sex you know there's a disconnect there mm-hmm. and there needs to be a conversation that has to happen there yeah and a quick side thought there i think we talked yeah. about this in the episode before 
on episodes before. Um, I took a family relationship class recently, well, a couple semesters actually, and there was a huge section on intimacy, like between parents and like teaching your kids about intimacy. And there was a, a video that we watched that was like a public service announcement by some family counseling, I can't, center or something, I can't remember what mm. it was, but they the video went like this. There was a kid watching TV and they flipped to MTV or something like that. And it was yeah. said something like sex or it was like a, it was like a soap opera and something like I had sex with him. And it was like talking about it on the soap, soap opera. And the kid was like, Oh, what's that? And like he had a confused look on his face and he's probably like 12 and he goes to his yeah. mom and he's like, Hey mom, what's sex? Really innocent question. Yeah. And, um, he's like, what did you hear that? Like, why would you ask me that? Like, don't talk about sex. That's like, what do you, that's not okay. You're too young. Yeah. And he's just like, sorry, geez, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. Yeah. And so then he goes up to his room and gets on his tablet and he types in the word sex right. in Google. Yeah. And then it's, this is where it gets kind of gets satirical, but then like the front door opens to the house and like a guy with a camera, a guy and a girl, both wearing like underwear. Oh, start I've seen this Yeah. One. And they start walking yeah. up the stairs and they're like, yeah. Hey, don't worry about teaching your kid about sex. We're going to take care of this. And then <laughs> yeah. they walk up the stairs and the mom's just like, what in the world is going on? And that yeah. is what we set our kids up for when we stigmatize and demonize sex because it right. is normal, healthy, and it should be encouraged in healthy relationships right. because it's a very powerful tool to engage with, so- engage with someone that you care about. So our focus should not be on the dangers of sex. Well, that is an important conversation. It should be on the, um, the benefits of it and the nuance surrounding it. And more importantly, most importantly, focusing on the intimacy and relationship that you have with the person rather than just the sexual activity, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So moral of the story, don't demonize it and don't be afraid to talk <laughs> about it. Right. And last quote here to finish up the episode. By omitting sexual desire from our conversations about sex, we lose our credibility and leave them ill-prepared to cope with inner feelings or outer pressures. And that's just so true. Like when you talk about sex, as far as reproduction goes with your kids that are in high school, that's so irrelevant to them. They don't plan on having kids for another five, 10 years, you know, if they're seniors anyway, five years seems like a good solid, tip- solid amount. Pretty least, typical. That's maybe the eight. That's when I start thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. 23. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you don't talk about the desire around sex, that you will want to have sex, that you will want to be with other women or other men that's okay that's normal right like no wonder the pornography business is booming because there's that nuance that stigma around sex and your kids will go up in their room on their phone and just look up what is sex and that's how it starts Mm -hmm. and i love how the author says you lose credibility when you don't talk about sexual desire because that's so true. Why would the why would your child trust you or think you know what you're talking about when you don't talk about something that's relevant to them at that time in their life, which is desire? Because kids are not of their mind, but desire is. And so we want to establish credibility by saying, hey, I know how you're feeling right now. Like you have a desire to go on a date with boys or go on a date with girls and to have sex. Like I, I get it. I understand. And here's why you feel that way, mm-hmm. you know, and let them know that it's normal. It's natural. They're not bad for feeling that way. And just create that open connection, that open conversation that your child can always come up to you and talk to you about sex mm-hmm. and the way they're feeling. It's really as simple as that. Just being comfortable engaging in that conversation because it'll make a huge difference in the 
in the life of your child and the way that they go about their life seeking relationships. Yeah. And, uh, that starts in the home at a very young age, as much as we might not want that to be the case. Kids are super impressionable and, um, they learn things very quickly and easily. So like that one quote we read earlier, be the first one to the party, but yeah. make sure that it comes from you first. And you create that, I don't know, dynamic, that climate inside of your house yeah. where, um, we are family that, that shares. We're a family that, um, like not enmeshment or anything like that, but we're a family that they feel comfortable talking with each other and that we, as your parents or me as your parent, um, will be here for you no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what feelings you have or what sensations or anything that you might be dealing with. Um, you come to me and I'm going to support you no matter what. I will give you every bit of advice and help that I can offer you in this life. And that comes by you building that credibility like Enoch was talking about. Yeah. We hope you learned something new. And if you did, drop a like down below. Do it. Leave a comment. Leave a review. And we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? 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 Yeah.